Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone. This is episode 116. Wow, 116 of Jackson Talks, everybody. And I have an amazing guest today, Matt Spinar. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jax. I didn't call you Jax. <laughs> Mash, Jax, Aaron, what do we call you, man? Whatever floats your fancy, man. You've known me since like what, 2010? It's been a while. Jesus, crazy to think that. It's 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, when I still, when I hear the year 2000, I still think that like anybody born in that year is like four years old. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, they're pretty old now. We're really old. I'm really old. I'm not as old. You're not as old as me, but hey, I'm getting there. I just turned 30 in June. Hey, there you go. Congrats. Welcome. I feel amazing. I love it. I feel like I'm just hitting my prime. That's good. Actually, the, I mean, I do in a way. And now the 30s are like the 20s, but you have some money, a little bit of financial freedom for sure. You've yeah. established yourself. You got some goals, some goals you've hit, goals in the future, where the 20s are just kind of finding your way, trying to work through it. 100%. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, but... For context, how we know each other, how we've known each other for so long is that we both went to the, the greatest school on planet Earth, South Dakota State University. It is, no doubt. Jack Rabbits for life. Go big, go blue, go Jacks. And when I was a freshman in college, which was in 2010-11, old Spindock was a senior, right? That's right. That's and right. so that was amazing. I have a lot of fond memories of my freshman year of college spin and um a lot are in part due to you and Oberly and verm like those three guys are who i remember the most um like it just I, I think back a lot on that year specifically because i was like trying to figure out who i was i didn't know if i was did i I'd never been to south dakota you know you're not sure if you like can actually play at the division one level like what's the talent level are people going to accept you and i was like one of three freshmen and so yeah. it was a small class one of the freshmen eric zarishan happened to um not make it past his uh the first kind of part of the season so and then colton emery who's my roommate incredible guy um he was driven in his schoolwork he became an engineer and all that stuff and so I feel like I kind of did some stuff like just by myself and I and and you and Verm and Oberly always made me feel like a part of the team immediately and uh it's really some really special memories that I have and I've, I've wanted to share that with you for a long time as I kind of really reflect on my life and how I've yeah. gotten here now that I'm 30 years old and I talked to Oberly um fairly often like he's an incredible guy yeah, he um, is he's a good dude he's he's an amazing guy i'm happy that he has a baby and a family now it's really quite cool it is and i roomed with you a lot on the road and trying in uh even though you guys made me sleep on the floor that's fine uh we had to do it too i mean. <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i just i yeah i felt like i became part of the team pretty quickly maybe that's my own perception but i feel like everyone else maybe felt that way as well and so I've always wanted to thank you for that and being hey, that being that kind of that. teammate and being that kind of, I don't know, leader person who would uh, welcome me to the team like that. You're an easy guy to like mash. It was a, I, I agree. I have some, the, the best memories from our time at South Dakota state, that place is special and it's wild to see how it's grown and people in other parts of the country are starting to recognize that place as somewhat of a special place that people will gather to from other areas. Isn't that wild? Like I felt like when we went there, it was this unknown land. You know what I mean? Like you were just sent to South Dakota and how'd you get there? And like you said, you feel a little disconnected or like, how am I going to fit in here? You know, mm -hmm. I felt the same way when I went there the first, first month or so. I was like, I don't know anybody here, not a soul. And I'm from Portland, Oregon, which is a complete, polar opposite of Brookings, South Dakota, but it's just a lot of good people there. And, uh, by the time you got to South Dakota state, I'd already been there four years. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that had rubbed off on me from just the mindset people have in that part of the country. Um, just being open to, to everybody and 
and kind and caring and wanting to welcome people in. You know, the way I did it was a little different than some people, loud and obnoxious. <laughs> and that definitely rubbed some people the wrong way, but I always try to be like in a good mood, happy and outgoing and, and just kind of full of energy. You know what I mean? So comes off, I guess good and bad so you saw the good so i appreciate that <laughs> yeah well i i took over some of that when you left as being the loud obnoxious fun guy Gotta so be somebody right i wanted to be somebody and because i was felt like i was a nobody in high school even though i played on the baseball team and was all this and that i just i i, I didn't have a lot of friends and that's partly due to my fault because i, I didn't talk to people and so you yeah. can't have friends if you're not talking to people and so when I decided that I was going to go to South Dakota, I decided that I was going to be the person that I wanted to become. And then I also got introduced to alcohol and college and baseball and girls and my other teammates. And it was just a whole mixture of things that I look back on. And it is an, an amazing experience. You know, I, um, some things I wish I would have done differently. Um, some things I am extremely happy that I did, but overall the, the experience was amazing. And it, like you said, it's so cool to see how many more people know what South Dakota state is like before I'd be like, Oh, I went to South Dakota state and people yeah. would be like, Oh, like there's a school there. Yeah. And now when I say it, they're like, Oh, fucking jackrabbits. I'm yes. like, yep, yep. You bet. They because, know it. Like some of our teams have been crushing it. Unfortunately, baseball the program hasn't been crushing it, um, but maybe they will soon. Uh, that'd be awesome. But the basketball team been crushing it. Crushing. The softball team been crushing it. Uh, football's doing amazing. I watched them play in Frisco a couple of years ago for the national championship. Oh, that yeah. was sweet. Yeah. And so our facilities are getting better. Um, it's just like really cool to see that. And it's, it's really cool to say the school now and people to know the mascot and not get it confused with North Dakota state on a continual basis. Yeah. People get it or out here, people get it confused with San Diego state. If you say SDSU, you used to say SDSU, they would immediately, immediately think Aztecs. You're like, what the fuck? What's an Aztec? dude? What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Bunnies for life. Let's go. dude. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's awesome to see how it's grown. Um, Man, I wish, looking back, the one thing I wish I would have done was just focus more on baseball. You know me. My career took a big just tank, and I was never the best player either, but it's like you're trying to balance so many things, right? Like you said, you got baseball, you got girls, you got if you're working a job, and then you got your studies. And I really just made that shift, I feel like, junior, senior year to all studies. You know what I mean? And your brain can only, I feel like, handle so many things. I remember our first head coach, Reggie Christensen, he, our first team meeting he goes college there's a lot of things going on there's three main things and you can only be good at two of them you got your studies you got baseball and you got girls and i hope you choose wisely on which two you want to be good at <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i would juggle those three things a little bit differently each year but as i got more and more focused into pharmacy school which you know what i do now uh, a pharmacist by trade um the training the baseball kind of took a back seat, I guess you could say. And you never get that time back, right? Like we can sit here now and talk about it and reminisce, but that's in the past. Those days are over. So really to enjoy that time, enjoy those four years of playing. Like that's definitely my advice to anybody who's just entering their collegiate career or playing a sport in college is to savor every moment, man, because you don't get it back. Now we're old and broken. Kinda. Well, not you. Yeah. And you're going to find out though. You're going to be thrown here soon. Yeah. I, I joined a men's league and I do jujitsu often. So we'll see what, how much my body can handle, but I'm, I'm prepared for it. I'm prepared for it. But before we get deeper into this conversation, which has been great so far, I have to ask you the most important question uh, that this show is about. So are you ready for that question? Yeah. What is it? What do you got? So this question is very important. Um, before we even press record, we asked it, but kind of in a very loose way. But now I'm asking in a serious way and giving you some time and space to answer it. Yeah. So Spin Doc, it's amazing to see you and hear your voice. How are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you, you know, I've texted you a little bit here and there. Um, definitely 
there's a lot of time where you do feel like you're just coasting. Like you sit back at the end of a day of work where you kind of get methodical about your day, right? When you really settle into your career, um, wake up, breakfast, walk the dog, go to work, go to the gym, come home, eat dinner and go to bed and repeat. Right. And you fall into that rhythm and the days and the weeks and the months go by. And if you take a step back, you start to think like, is this it? Like, what's my purpose here? What's my mission? Um, like, what do I feel fulfilled in this? And you go in those ups and downs where you're like, well, I have good work-life balance and that's great. And you feel good about that for a few days. And then those pass. And then you start to have that conversation, that internal conversation again, like, well, damn, you know, is there something bigger here that I need to be doing? Am I having an impact on people? And I, am I having a bigger impact on myself? And then you can't even start to talk about the rabbit hole you get on the social media and you start to see what everyone else is doing or posting the great things or so-called great things that they're doing. And you can really convince yourself that what you're doing is not, not worthwhile or not like important, right? Like you're, you're just kind of average in society and to get out of that mindset has been tough for me lately. Right. Because we had all those great times back in the day where you're a division one athlete, you were in, you know, a, a doctoral program, pharmacy school, you felt good about yourself, like you're on top of the world. And then you get into your career and you just kind of meander your way through. And it's like, dang, it's 2022. Now we've been out of school for a long time. Like you look back at the 10 years and you can look at it two ways. Like I've grown a ton. And then you can look at it as well, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're still at that same hospital. You're not married, yada, yada. So it's been a battle for sure mentally to like fight that mindset of um, feeling like I'm average and like I'm not doing enough to better myself and better those around me, develop good connections with the people close to me. Um, and then on the other side to feel good about what I've done and where I'm going. Right. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of it is just mindset approaching anything you do with a positive attitude and looking at it from the glass half full type mentality. Cause if you look, approach it that way, you're going to see the good and the importance in what you're doing. But if you come at it from the other side, like you're only going to see the negative things, those things that are eating away at you or you let them eat away at you. So it's uh, there's no answer. There's no end date. Right. I feel like too, I've always been looking for that. Like if I just get to this next step, I'll be good. Or, you know, get that promotion. I'll be good. Or if I, you know, buy this new house and move here, that'll be great. But life's a marathon, man. And I've had to really settle in with that, that there is no like one thing that's just going to fix it all or change it. You know, you have to be, be okay with the day to day and the grind and, uh, and battling through. So, you know, yeah. You mentioned the word balance. Yeah. I think about that word a lot, especially, in, a lot. especially in my own life. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any sort of balance. None. I don't, I don't prescribe to that mindset because balance means it's like 50, 50, which means I'm giving equal amounts of energy to things in my life. But that's not really true. I'm giving all of my energy to the thing that I'm doing at that certain time. And so it's kind of like having this like harmonious obsession, right? You can speak about it in a way that you kind of spoke about SDSU and playing and mixing between your social life, baseball and school. Yeah. You have to give everything you have to that certain thing that you're doing in that time. And maybe weeks, months on end, you're giving way more to the one thing than you are to the other thing. There's no such thing as balance. And so I think about that a lot in terms of where do I want to focus my energy at right now? Like if I go to jujitsu, that's what I'm doing. If I yeah. am working, that's what I'm doing. If I'm doing this podcast, I'm giving my, my hundred percent energy there. And some things get kind of pushed to the side a little bit because I don't have enough time. So balance just makes it seem like it's all supposed to be this like equilibrium when really it's like kind of dynamic and things are shifting all at once and you have to be able to willing to kind of go this direction and stick through and follow through and because 
also balance kind of implies that you're multitasking, which is like, right. Doesn't exist. You're it not multitasking. Exist. You're really yeah. just, you're really just task switching, which is not good at all because you have some attentional residue that's left over when you're switching from task to task yeah. instead of kind of following through on the one thing. Right. And so is that how you see balance or, or what, how are you referring to it when you were talking about it? Yeah. So the way I see it is the balance of your time. So the 24 hours in the day, kind of like you're saying, like, you know, I have a, a balance of how much time and energy I spend at work and then shift that to personal stuff, whether that be fitness or spending time with family and then just like alone time or time to, you know, read or do whatever you want at home in that space. Um, and that's where I kind of go back and forth, right? Like you look for, because your main time occupier is your job, I guess. So it's always been at least my, my initial mindset was find a situation that allows for that sense of quote balance where you have other time to do other things and you feel like you're, you have some quote freedom, I guess. But like you said, then you're just task switching. You're switching from one domain to the next you can't really balance it. Right. Like you got to put, if I, if I go to the gym and I'm still thinking about work, I'm not putting in my full effort there. You know, if I go to family dinner and I'm spending time with my sister and my parents, and I'm still thinking about the workout I just hit. Well, I'm not really present with them either. So, um, I've gone back and forth with that. You know, I'm like, is balance achievable? Is that even a real thing I should be thinking about? Because that's what everybody preaches. It's work-life balance. You probably hear my dog just slurping that water right there. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's tough. It's, it's definitely, I agree, like not something that I feel like is achievable. It's not a good driver. You know, if you're looking for balance, you're to me, balance means average, right. Or mediocre. Now that's what I equate it to. If I'm looking for that, then I'm just looking to kind of coast my way through, I guess you could say, because you're not going to be putting that 100% effort into anything. You're just looking to get by and save for the next thing that you're doing. Save energy, I guess you could say. So, yeah, because balance implies 50-50. And that means what? That you're not giving anything 100% of your energy and effort, <clears throat> right? right? You want to you you try and do that. It's not, nothing's going to be perfect and nothing's always going to be that way right sometimes right. you just do the best you can with the situation that you have but you aim to do that and i think right. it turns out that way more often than not <clears throat> i feel like that happened at sdsu that's exactly what happened to me right so my first two years of baseball and by no means was i just an amazing player but i could sling it a little bit those first couple of years uh against the competition we were playing but then the studies increased because that, that third year of school was really where pharmacy school started to take over, right? It was like, you're done with your pre-pharmacy requ requisites. Now you're trying to get into the professional program. So you really got to dial it in and focus and do some stuff outside of school to beef up your resume, spend more time and energy in that domain. And you're right. Like I wasn't balanced then I was putting all my effort in or the most of it into the pharmacy school. That was really important for me to want to get in and, and do well and make my family proud and make myself proud of the effort I'd put in. And you could see it. The, the baseball suffered uh, for sure. And, you know, reflecting back, I mean, I wish I would have spent more time just focusing on, on sports while I had that limited four year time doing that but yeah i mean that's a good example i guess of how there is no such thing as balance you gotta put your effort where where it's needed most and understand what the consequences will be for the other things that you're involved in i guess yeah <clears throat> and you can also think about consequences in a good and a bad way right right there are always consequences but the consequences have a negative connotation but they're not right the consequences of you spending more time at pharmacy school was that yeah negatively your baseball was impacted positively yeah. you got in and you got your degree and you got this amazing job that you have now at oregon health and uh science right wherever it is right yeah, oregon science yeah. and health yeah <laughs> oregon health and science university it's the big teaching hospital here in oregon. there we go i got it i knew it yeah you got it oh baby <laughs> you've been there like you've been there like five years yeah yeah, almost six years now. So, so 
And if you think about if, if you want to do a little, you know, what if, right? What if you spent more time on baseball? What, what would have been, what would that looked like? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, you know, um, like would I, would I be where I'm at today? Probably not. I wouldn't have done pharmacy. That's for sure um maybe would have kept with the sports realm done something in athletics whether that be being a trainer or um working on the legal side of things I mean there's a lot of great opportunities in athletics and I feel like I still have that love and desire to be around athletics with fitness and CrossFit and you know I love my my sports teams and and try and spend as much time engaged in that as I can you know so could have ended up somewhere in that realm, I guess you could say, but I felt like pharmacy was kind of a, like it was meant to be for me in a way. It was weird. I remember when I was in high school and, uh, I was just trying to like find my way. I didn't really know what I was going to do, uh, as far as college and even playing baseball in college. I remember I was skiing with a couple of buddies junior year of high school. And I rode the chairlift up with this random couple that had just moved to Oregon and you know me, I'm just making small talk and having that conversation like, hey, what do you guys do? And I'm just a dumb high schooler, like, you know, who knows what I'm actually saying. But I remember asking them what brought them out. And they had just actually moved to Oregon from Brookings, South Dakota. They both graduated from South Dakota State and they were pharmacists working for Walgreens. And they took uh, their first job in the Portland area. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know what the hell a pharmacist did back then. So I'm asking just way too invasive questions like how much money do you make <laughs> what do you what do you do what's your signing bonus and they were kind enough and young enough at the time to just share all that with me and being a 16 year old high school kid I get home and I remember going to the South Dakota State website and it was so old and decrepit back then it was like this old like Times New Roman font just shit ass website dude it was so bad but I found the stuff about pharmacy and that there was a lot of chemistry involved. And I was always good at that in high school. And I'm like, oh, hey, maybe this is something I could do. A week goes by and we're at practice, like fall, winter practice. And my coach comes over and he said, hey, would you ever want to like go away from the West Coast for school? Have you ever thought about that? I'm like, um, why? What, what are you asking? He's like, well, there's a guy out in South Dakota that I played ball with back in the day. And he's looking for some pitchers. And your name came up. And the rest is history, man. Like in a, a month later, I was on a flight out to Brookings with my dad um, and we checked it out, had a visit, loved it. Met guys like Kirby Morshing and, yeah. and, you know, Tony and all them and had a, had a blast and the rest is history. So I was enrolled for the next, next school year and doing pre-pharmacy. It's crazy how that works out. Like I had no idea, went from having no idea South Dakota even existed um and that pharmacy was even a career and then a month goes by and boom that's where i'm locked in to go that's amazing that yeah, you just it was wild you met some random people who are from brookings and then your coach brings up south dakota the next next month yeah yeah dude it was why so he brings it up out of practice and then i'm like yeah yeah like let me know you know and uh i remember i was going to a basketball game a high school basketball game with some friends and this was back in the day before the iphone or any of that so i had this old nokia flip phone and i remember i get to the game and uh the south dakota state coach calls me on the flip phone reggie does and i'm like walking in to my high school and my phone dies and i'm just like no oh, fuck it i guess i'll call him <laughs> back later <laughs> and i call him back like two days later and he's like oh yeah what happened we got disconnected I'm like, oh, yeah, my phone died. I was just such a dumb high school kid. Didn't think anything of it, you know. But luckily, he's a nice enough dude to understand that. I was just a kid just trying to hang out with friends. Wow. So, I know. Wild. That, <clears throat> it's so interesting how that one conversation basically point you in the trajectory of the rest of your life. I remember, yeah, because my dad was an engineer. Uh, my mom just worked for... Uh, Kaiser, which is a hospital system out here, but she wasn't like a medical provider or anything like that. So I really had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I kind of like bounced ideas around engineering because I was good at math and science, maybe like something in architecture. You know, I didn't really know. I just had no direction. And yeah, you're right. That one conversation 
just shifted it. Maybe it was the money. Maybe that's what did it when they told me how much they made. I don't know. You know, I don't remember vividly enough because I was so young, but I do remember it like catching my interest enough to go home and look up the school. I told my old like Dell tower computer, man, just like in the room, South Dakota state, what the heck is this? So crazy how that works out. And now fast forward now, do you, do you find what you do to be fulfilling? Because as you said, right, our job takes up a lot of our time. It does. And we're never going to enjoy our job 100% of the time, just like we don't enjoy doing anything 100% of the time, generally speaking. Yeah. But we want to find some sort of fulfillment, purpose, meaning, engagement, joy in our job that we do because it does take up a lot of our time so what is it for you i know you said sometimes you don't feel like what you're doing is worthwhile but i think so if i look back and i kind of evaluate it when i first started i worked for red aid drugstores which is just like your outpatient walgreens type drugstore and when i was there first out of school no not that much enjoyment right you were just grinding through the days because you really just count by five and filling scripts. And, and I guess you're having an impact on your patients and the people you're talking to, right? You can really make a difference in those conversations you have with them in the, in the short time that you have, but I didn't see it that way. Um, now being at OHSU, the biggest thing I do is I get to hire people and then see them grow within the institution or grow personally and do other things. And then I precept a lot of students. So now that I'm 33, I guess I can say I have a little bit of wisdom and I've been doing it a while. But I mean, for example, I'll hire somebody who's young, just out of high school. They might be 19 years old, kind of bouncing around jobs. And I'll hire them for an entry level position and they'll kind of work their way through our system, whether it be being a pharmacy clerk and then going through a tech program that we have. And then they kind of figure out what they want to do. They see the bigger picture of this hospital system and where they can maybe fit in healthcare and whether they end up going to nursing school or PT school, or maybe they find it's just not for them at all, but it was a good experience and they met some good people and made connections along the way. I've definitely found value in that because I've done it so many times now, right? Being there almost six years, we're always hiring people. So you really get to see the impact you have on these young kids when you hire them and provide them with opportunities and support um, from the start. Like, and it's, it's hard too, because we hire young people now and a lot of people look at them like, Oh, it's Gen Z. They don't want to work hard, yada, yada, but always give them the opportunity and have the open mind and, and be positive and supportive for them. And a lot of times you see, see them blossom in, in the opportunities that are presented to them. So that's been cool for sure. Um, I'm not so much a clinician anymore. Like I have a lot of pharmacists that really do the day-to-day clinical stuff and they have a big impact on the patients. That's for sure. I mean, I can see it in the patient's eyes when they come up to our pharmacy counters and they get to talk to them about their medications and, you know, why they're there. I mean, nobody's at the hospital for a good reason. They're not there for a tourist trip. Right. So it's always bad news or they're there for a loved one that's has some bad news or something going on. So the, the time that they can spend with them has a big impact. That's for sure. Whether it's just like a short conversation about nothing related to medication or providing them with that expertise, they have the impact too. And that's what I, I did when I first started at OHSU. It was more of that one-on-one time with patients. And since then, I've got more into like a administrative or management role. So I find more of my time now with, with the students and, and hiring and growing our team and and whatnot from that side. So it's been fun for sure. And I have to stick with that mindset because I can fall into that trap. You know, if I, if I break away from that and you're just in the day to day, like it could be just a random Wednesday, you fall into that, like, Oh man, is this really worth it? You forget about all those good things you do. You know what I mean? It's easy to, to think of the monotony of, you know, wake up, go to work, eat, come home, work out, bedtime, that type of thing. You know, if you're not constantly reminding yourself of all the good you're doing, you can fall into that trap pretty quick. Yes. Yes, you can. Is that one of the biggest challenges 
of being a pharmacist is basically only hearing bad news all the time? Yeah. I mean, especially now with COVID too, mm-hmm. right? And you become, if, uh, initially before COVID, you're just dealing with folks that's maybe their worst day. And now with COVID, you're balancing all these different ideologies and political mindsets and having to answer questions um, from that angle, as well as the healthcare side too. It's really been stressful, I feel like, for pharmacists and people in that space. Not, I mean, not just them too. I mean, the whole healthcare system, you see it in everybody at the hospital, right? They're just trying to do their best with what they have to take care of the, the person in front of them, take care of their patients and all this extra nonsense thrown at them, whether it be questions from patients about, you know, vaccine efficacy or political this or Fauci that. I mean, it's like, dude, you know, I'm just here to give you the best care that I can. And it's become a little bit bigger than that. I guess you could say, whether we like it or not, you know what I mean? And that stress is definitely real for sure. And that's pushed a lot of people out of the profession um, to just to go do something else or push them to more part-time that they can feel like they have more space away from that environment, you know, until maybe it calms down a few years from now. And we've seen it start to calm down. I mean, when it first hit, it was crazy, but um, it's been a couple of years now since COVID started. So, yeah. I mean, speaking on that, then what was the, what was the last two years like for you? What did you learn? What was challenging? What'd you grow from? I think like the biggest thing for us was um, you just had to support people, you know, support your, your team because everybody had their own struggles. Uh, a lot of it was financial, especially for our more entry-level folks or uh, mid-level employees. Um, pay getting cut, hours being cut, you know, um, whether they had a family member that was in a different industry, you know, they might be out of work for a while. It was stressful for everybody. So we found our time at work to be more so of just like consoling each other in a way of like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Um, most people at like, cause we were in it from the beginning, we we're going to the hospital every day. I don't think anybody had a, a genuine fear of COVID, at least in our world being in pharmacy um, cause we weren't directly taking care of like sick people in the hospital with COVID. We're more on that outpatient side of things. Um, but it was more just, you know, working with each other to make sure everybody was, was feeling, I guess, okay. If, if that is something you could feel during that, but everybody was struggling, man, it was tough. I don't know what it was like for you. I mean, it, it felt like everything was shutting down. I remember when it first hit, like the freeways were empty, you know? like apocalyptic Mm -hmm. so yeah at the like right when it hit here like i was i was professional wrestling full-time oh you're still doing that when that hit yeah and so that was my full-time gig and so if you can't have shows there's no there's no money right and so pretty quickly i had no job and i was like okay what am I going to do? And so I had all of these ideas in my head about what I wanted to do with the things I'm doing now, but with wrestling going on, I didn't really have time to figure it out. So I got a job at working at the Walmart warehouse. Oh, hell yeah. And the drive was 45 minutes every day. And like you said, there was no one like these were some of the best drives I've ever had. Like I just put on some tunes or I was quiet and I just thought the whole time. 45 minutes there, 10 hours at the warehouse where I didn't talk to anyone. I just did my job over and over. It was just, I was basically yeah. going shopping for people, like packaging up orders. And so I was just 10 hours repetitively. And I did that for three months, five days a week. Wow. And, and that's how I figured out the rest of my life because I gave my, well, I was forced to give myself some alone time to yeah. figure it out. And so that's when I kind of decided that I wanted to go all in on this podcast, that I wanted to create You Are Love as a nonprofit, that I wanted to do some speaking and some coaching and talk about all of these things. And so then I just went out and I did it. And uh, I know it sounds very simple, but obviously there's been some growing pains, but two years later, like it's, it's going pretty well. And so 
it was hard though. Like, yeah, I did, you know, for a couple of days there, like really a couple of days, I was like, Oh, like no more wrestling. Um, I have a mortgage on my house. Right. Um, well, I got to do something. Yeah. So, you know, and that I've always kind of had that mindset of like, it's just what needs to get done has to get done and you just got to get it done. And when you went all in on it, did you worry about the, like how to monetize any of it? It seems so shallow to think about, but it's reality, right? Like you got a mortgage, like you said, how are you going to pay that? What are you going to do? So like I had a little bit of experience, you know, being an entrepreneur for my wrestling career. So I was like selling merchandise consistently. I had a website with some products on it. Um, You know, I was, I was already constantly posting like a lot on social media and so I kind of, I, I kind of knew how to make the switch and then add like a few more things that could be monetized, like speaking and coaching and a podcast and things like that. I didn't know if it was going to really be what it is, yeah. um, right. but I, I knew that that there was something there and I knew that I was just going to try to follow my gut. Cause I wanted to do it for a little bit, mostly since like, you know, my sister passed in 2018 And so since then, I've been going through this whole just shift in my life about what's reevaluating, what's important, what means something to me, how do I want to impact people? Um, And so since then, like pro wrestling was always kind of becoming the back burner because it just wasn't the most important thing. And so COVID gave me a chance to really reevaluate that and be like, this is what is the most important thing. Yeah. Presenting this information, trying to have an impact on the world speaking about the truth hopefully that it resonates with people and sharing that story with as many people as possible yeah so yeah that's that's kind of where i was at during that whole thing i mean i feel like just seeing the content you put out you definitely making it you made an impact on my life that's for sure i love seeing your little snippets on linkedin it's like every morning i get something a little different some different positivity type angle or a different way to think about something um or just like you know you literally saying you are loved i mean that has such an impact and it's got to have an impact on other people if it's impacting me because i feel like i got it pretty good you know i got a house i got a dog parents a sister everybody cares about me right so it's easy for me to like fall into the woe is me and complain but really i I mean i got nothing to complain about you know i don't have any real problems i guess you could say so you know when i get in those lulls it's nice to to see that uplifting mindset that you have, you know what I mean? And nobody wants to be around like that negativity all the time either. You know, if you fall into that trap of always complaining about like COVID this or political that nobody wants to hear that, man. Like, you know, let's just live our lives and care about each other. Do something for the person next to you in the room. I think that's like the the most important thing too. Like now when I go to work, it's uh, really like trying to connect with the people that I work with, how ask them really how their weekend was, what did they do and commit those things to memory, like remember people's names, family members, names, what their interests are, you know, don't just do it on a superficial level, but really try to build deeper connections with these folks that are in your life day to day, you know, focus on that versus like the superficial stuff and things to complain about. Cause what do we got? I don't got anything to complain about. Right. I mean, it's all good yeah you're you're aiming to build super genuine relationships yeah which is like the most important thing like relating it back to university we were around each other all the time and so it was super easy to become close like maybe we didn't have the deepest conversations like we are now like we did in university but we were still able to have each other's back we were always around Like I could come over to the trips without even telling you that I was coming over to the trips. Yeah. Right. It would just be like that kind of open door. You're always welcome policy. Like, and then you start to get to know people like, okay, where are you from? How many siblings do you like all these questions just naturally come up because you're spending so much time with someone. Yeah. Whether it be an 18 hour bus trip that we took all the time or just like spending six hours of the field trying to practice or going to a party or whatever it was, because that's so convenient. We're always near each other. But then when you leave that kind of environment, it is very nerve wracking to like 
especially as an athlete, that you're yeah. not going to create that type of community uh, with someone, right? Because when you're on a sports team, it's like, you know, whether or not you really want to hang out with that person one-on-one outside of the field, that's a different thing, right? We're not going to like everyone and everyone's not going to like us. That's totally fine. Yeah. But you still have love for that person and you still support that person while you're doing the thing you're doing because you're all committed to this one very specific goal. Right. And it's hard to create that in outside of a sporting environment, but it seems right. like that's what you're trying to create at your work. Trying to, and I guess I, you know, had that with CrossFit, mm. you know, think what you want about CrossFit, but man, it really felt like that. That was my initial shift, right? When baseball ended, I joined a CrossFit gym in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it was, you know, a totally different type of world that I'd never been exposed to. But like you said, what everyone was there for was one thing. And I was just to spend an hour or two of their day getting more fit, doing something to be healthy and have a good time. And people from all different walks of life, kind of like baseball. So I really felt it easy to fit in and, and uh, jive with that group because it was just everybody coming together to do the same activity, no matter where they came from background wise. And COVID, man, COVID shut it down shut down the gyms two of the gyms that i used to go to all the time my biggest communities went out of business so it's kind of like when baseball ended when those gyms both went out of business from covid you lose that sense of community and people do kind of naturally go their separate ways with time it's tough to like keep the group together and we found that with baseball you know everybody's doing their own thing and you kind of keep a couple connections here or there but you're not getting that group of 20, 30 people together uh, on a daily basis anymore, you know? So since then I've had to make that shift. I feel like to more of the workplace, because that's where you spend the majority of your time with the majority of the people in your life. Right. And then too, with family, I feel like I've really tried to connect deeper with both my parents and my sister. I've always had a good relationship with my mom. I think everybody knows that who follows me on social media that definitely a mama's boy that's for sure um we just have like similar personalities and we we have banter and talk shit back and forth and it's it's fun but you know with my dad i feel like we had that connection of baseball and once that ended it was you know a little bit more difficult for us to like find common ground in a lot of things where he might think differently politically or or ideology wise one way versus me so with COVID that provided the opportunity for me to really like focus on building that relationship because he's the one that, you know, taught me how to play sports, taught me how to throw baseball and got me to where I was and gave me those opportunities um, at South Dakota state. So it was nice to like be forced to spend that time to build that relationship back. Um, And my sister, I mean, she moved, she's in Colorado. So that's naturally tough. You got that distance. Yeah. That's an effort, right? Like, if somebody doesn't live in the same city as you, you got to be willing to put in that extra effort, that time to make those phone calls, do those FaceTime schedule trips and all that. And I feel like before COVID, it was just, we were going our separate ways, living our separate lives. And now um, I feel like I'm a part of it, right? Like we have daily conversation. We, we schedule something, you know, whether it be every other month or every month to actually visit each other in person, find that really important and valuable. Whereas before, I mean, life was so busy too, before COVID, right? Then you feel like things have kind of slowed down a little bit since COVID They give you the opportunity. Cause for me, for sure, it felt like the world came to this grinding halt. Right. And it really gave you like a reset moment. And, you know, there was no traffic. People weren't traveling none of that so you had the opportunity to just kind of step back and say all right like what do we need to do here you know what's important to me and you had maybe a moment to to make that assessment whereas before it was like go 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 if you lived in a big city it was crazy before covid yeah i mean for sure i was i mean i was traveling every single thursday friday saturday and sunday right i was home monday tuesday and wednesday and that was trying to make some content uh promote my matches maybe get to the gym try to heal up a little bit 
yeah and then back on the road back on the road uh so yeah it slowed me down quite a bit and i travel i travel quite a bit now to do like speaking engagements and stuff yeah but obviously that's not nearly as hard on my body <laughs> and as jumping yeah. off the freaking ropes right. dude. and it's just yeah. like going in talking about the thing that i love talking about the most which is mental health and then coming home um and so yeah it's it slowed me down a bit like i like i told you right having those drives to walmart with no one on the road is some of the like it's even with everything that was happening in the world i was like this is like yes some of the best time i've ever had like it's yeah it's super still, it's super quiet. And I try to get that in my own life now. That's why I meditate. That's why I journal. That's why I go for long walks. Uh, also jujitsu also makes me feel like this is the only thing that I'm doing because if not, I'm gonna get choked out or I'm gonna get beat up. And so I have to be very present and all of those things teach you to be in the present moment because that's where all the good things happen. Yeah. Um, and you're gonna miss those things like being with your family or with your niece or whatever you're doing yeah and so there's a lot of lessons that are that are always going to be learned from the hardest parts of our life that's why they're the hardest parts of our life because we right. haven't yet learned those lessons and so some sort of divine higher power is putting that in your path one because that person knows that you can overcome this obstacle and two they haven't seen that you're able to learn the lesson that might have been previously not as blatant before but now it's very blatant and now it's right in your face and you have yeah. to learn this lesson. You have to learn how to be able to control this, this kind of moment in between the stimulus and the response. And before right. we were just like stimulus response, stimulus response. Instead, now we have this like break. Okay, how do I want to respond? What's my best response? Maybe I can take a deep breath. Maybe I'll take 24 hours to think about it. Maybe I'll write it out. Maybe I'll talk to a friend. Okay, now here's my best response. And yeah. some of those things are important lessons learned and we have to learn them. Um, or they're going to keep punching us in the face until we're like, yes, okay, I get it. I'm going to, I'm going to learn this lesson. I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to make it a daily practice and I'm going to work hard at it because once you start doing something, it doesn't just continue to happen, right? No. You have to, you have to continually do it over and over and over again. You're never exonerated from the work, the no. work, you know, your baseline just gets a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And you start to kind of fall in love with this process and, detached from any sort of outcomes and all of the stuff that you know people talk about especially me on this podcast but yeah yeah no that may, that's for sure it's funny that you say a higher power will keep like throwing something in your face and like hey you didn't get it this time so here's another opportunity all right still didn't get it this time here's another one i feel like that's so true like wh whether you believe in a higher power or not or what higher power you believe in like it's gonna keep hitting you in the face until you make a change or make a decision to be different. So, right. you know, I always use a, like a drag, like a dragon for the analogy here. And I'll, I'll like, I'll tell you what it is, right? All right let's, you yeah. can be, it can, this analogy can be used as like a conflict in your life, maybe with a partner or in a relationship or yeah. just like thinking about things that you might need to change. And so first you have this thing, you kind of feel like you might need to make a change or you might need to resolve a conflict, but it's not that big. So like the dragon is really small. And when it breathes, it's flame. It's like a little Bic lighter. So it doesn't yeah. burn you. It's not very bad. And you just shove it under the rug. You're like, yeah, it's not, not too bad. And then you just keep ignoring it. Keep shoving it under the rug. Keep ignoring it. Keep avoiding it. Keep avoiding it. Keep ignoring it. A little more conflict. You might feel a little bit more in your gut. You're like, ah, nah, nah, nah. And then the fucking dragon is so big that it burns down your goddamn house. Right. And now you have, you can't ignore it. You literally, there's no, like either your relationship is on the verge of ending, you're hit with some sort of health thing that could have been preventable, but you decided to ignore it, you know, or you just like are extremely unfulfilled and you knew you were unfulfilled a little bit ago, but you're like too worried about maybe fixing your resume or uh, fixing some job inadequacies or looking at yourself honestly. And now the, the dragon has burned your house down. And so now right. you're forced to sit down and be like, okay, what did I do wrong? What is my responsibility in this? What fault am I at? Okay, here's the things I did. What are my inadequacies? Okay, great. What are actually my strengths? What have I been doing that's kept me going? What can I look at that's a weakness? How can I fix this? What am I scared of? What can I voluntarily do that I've been avoiding so that I can become stronger in this area? And we're not, we, 
generally don't do any of those things unless the dragon burns our house down first. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, Chelsea, my ex-girlfriend, right? Great girl. Yeah. We're still friends. We're still friends. I thought she was awesome when I met her at uh, the wedding. Yeah. She's great. So, I mean, that, that analogy works perfectly with her because God, you know, bless her soul. She's just like a, like a freaking angel for tolerating my bullshit and putting, <laughs> <laughs> putting up with me constantly letting the dragon grow bigger and bigger uh, my communication skills when it comes to relationships are the worst at least they historically have been the worst and that's how it was with us we dated for on and off what was it four-ish years and that's how it was it started as the big lighter you know matt's not telling me how he's feeling he's not you know telling me our problem we're not working our problems out together just keep pushing it under the rug and it would always grow to this big thing and then i would just like bottle it up mm. and just vanish you know what i mean and i don't know how she put up with this repeat cycle it's like waves over and over and over again of me doing that but it finally blew up in my face i mean a year and a half ago you know and uh that situation of her and i being together romantically ended um and we've mended it since then and we're good friends now but like you said you know you you had to have i had to have that happen because Otherwise, I would just keep going down that destructive path of, of not being a, a good lover, a good communicator. Um, and, you know, that's not fair to her or to anybody else that I may be with in the future. So how else do you learn that other than letting the, I guess, quote, dragon burn your house down? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's having it's to learn that heartbreak uh, yeah. is kind of the only prerequisite to love true or being willing to have your heart broken yes. is the path to love right because you're giving your full self to someone if you're kind of holding back a little bit you're like i'm not all in so if this goes poorly i knew it the whole time yes right and that's not the way to do anything especially not the way to uh cultivate a long-lasting potentially forever relationship Right. Because that's all it is, is effort, effort and communication. Because, yep. you know, yes, you love someone, but those days aren't going to be perfect. I might come home grumpy, sad, angry. How am I going to communicate that with someone and still cultivate this loving kindness? It's effort. It's effort and right. willing to have hard conversations, willing to create a safe space for one another to share themselves honestly. You know, it's all of those things. And you have to kind of go through some relationships that aren't very good to learn those lessons. Yeah. And so that's all, that's life. That's all of life. Like you have to, you have to kind of be open to these things that happen and be willing to put yourself out there and voluntarily doing hard things is how that becomes easier because you're exploring things that are really hard, but in a way that's safe and voluntary. And so when uncontrollable, unexplainable, unpredictable things happen in our lives, we have this kind of already ability to handle those things because we've been doing this kind of outside work on hard things. So when things come that we had no control over, we're like, okay, I can relate it to this thing that I've been doing. This is how I can use it here. And here's yeah. the steps I might be able to take. Oh, and I've been open and honest with my partner and my friends about things that I'm going through. So now I can lean on them for support because I've cultivated those genuine relationships. Yeah. Now you have this whole circle of people and things that you can pick out as tools and support systems to help you get through life because life is very hard and it'll beat you Stop. the fuck down it'll beat it'll, you down if you don't have some of these tools to allow you to recover from it if you try and do it alone you're fucked it's just kind of wear you out man like there's no it's relentless for sure and i can think of that whole experience too with chelsea i look back and say oh man you really missed out you fucked up like and just think about it that from that angle over and over and over again forever or think about it as hey that was a, a good opportunity to really figure out what you need to improve on and how i can be better in the future and that's how i've tried to look at it because you can really like beat yourself up over things that have gone quote unquote wrong you know mm -hmm. that you've had to learn from and grow from um if you look at it from that perspective man yeah you're just gonna go down that rabbit hole but 
I've had to shift the mindset. And luckily she's, like I said, such a freaking angel. We're still friends and connected and, and talk, you know, and she's moved on. So that always makes you feel good too, that they're doing okay or in a good spot. So, um, but yeah, man, the beat down's real. Jiu-jitsu probably helps with that. I know CrossFit does. Like you do that hard shit mm-hmm. and you do it day in and day out. Um, and it, it's not just something that you say you're going to do, but it becomes just built into your life, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're going to do it, whether you feel good or feel bad, you're going to get that work in. It definitely helps for sure. Deal right. with that, that stress. So as, as one of my favorite podcasters would say, Jocko Wilnick, he says, uh, discipline equals freedom. That's a good point. Yeah. Jocko's a good dude. Yeah. I love his, I love his stuff. He's a, he's a smart man. Yeah, I, I like his stuff too. Yeah, and I, I agree with that statement, right? Because our motivation uh, go, comes in waves. It's not always going to be there. Right. Not every day that I go to the gym or that I go to jiu-jitsu do I want to be there. Because no. some days I don't feel good and I'm a little tired. I didn't get enough sleep, uh, whatever it is, right? And so our motivation, we can't only work out when our motivation is high. We'll get fucking one workout in a week or whatever it is that you're aiming to do. I'm just relating it to fitness. Yeah. And so if we have that discipline to do the things we want to do when we don't really want to do them, that gives us freedom. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Uh, and so it's really about following your habits and your routines and your protocols when you feel your worst, because then feelings follow behavior and you end up starting to feel good and then you're kind of on a roll and then you know that that's like you to get these things done and i think yeah. that's really quite cool it's on on those days where i do feel shitty those are the best workouts like when mm-hmm. you're done with that workout and you know you went into it like oh man it's just a bad day and you get it done the the higher the euphoria after that is so much greater on the day where you're like all things are clicking body feels good like well then good you should perform well you right. piece of shit like <laughs> get in there when you're like freaking tired from a road trip or your boss just beat you down all day or mm-hmm. you know you got problems at home like yeah get in there and get that workout in you feel much better afterwards i've never felt worse after a workout right like or after doing anything hard you know whether it be a hard conversation with an employee at work or my family you never feel worse after it's always like damn i'm glad i did that right you now And then you always, you seem to always have this like mental clarity about you when it's done that can kind of help you in other areas of your life as well. And so it seems to have this like positive domino effect, uh, at least in my, in my life, but we're, we're about up on time here. Spin doc. Dude, that's a fast hour, (laughs) (laughs) but I have one question to ask you before I have, well, I have a lot more questions, but we'll, we'll, we'll do part two, uh, in person. How about that? Yeah, we have to do that for sure. On the couch. Z, why are you not on the couch? What's the deal? <laughs> well, this is my my uh, you know, my Zoom recording podcasting area. Oh, you can't do it on the couch? What? Um, I guess maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, you should, dude. Get your relaxation going on, you know. Yeah, but I feel like I then I can't be like standing up straight and it might be yeah, anyways. But so last question, very important question. If you, Matt Spinar, were to create a billboard. And millions of people would see that billboard every day. What would you put on that billboard? Like what? You can put anything. You can put anything you want. Yeah, dude. I don't know. You put me on the spot. Do people always have like an answer for this? Sometimes. I don't know if I have a, a, a good answer for you right now. Can I, can I think about it and ponder it for part two? Yes, you can. Yeah. All right. I think that's good. I don't want to give you some half-hearted answer that is just something to say to say, you know what I mean? I, I, like, think, I like that answer. Yeah. I really would want to think about that. If it's going to have an impact on that many people driving by, you know, then yeah, that's good. I'm with that answer. That's, that's a good answer. Yeah. We'll put TBD to be determined. We'll wait for part two. To All get right. that. Cool. Excellent. Um, I know you don't use social media a lot, but if people want to, uh, I don't know, learn more about you, where can they go? LinkedIn? Oh, dude. At, uh, yeah, LinkedIn's always good. I think my thing is at MJ Spindock. And on Instagram, it's at MJ Spindock too. But LinkedIn's going to be the best place to learn more about what I do and what my interests are. Uh, Instagram has become more of a highlight reel for my dog, pretty much. <laughs> we, we love that. Yeah, you know, which is good because Instagram, 
Instagram's kind of toxic. So putting pictures of my dog makes everybody happy. We love, we love cute dog photos. Yeah. So but thank you, man. This was awesome. Yeah, dude. We'll have to do it again where I have more time than an hour because like you said, we could sit here for the whole day, right? Yeah, we, we have to, we didn't even, yeah. Yeah. It's great. But I'm, I'm glad I got to see you and hear you and it's, uh, it's good to know that you're doing well. Hey, you too, Jax. We'll, uh, we'll schedule something. I'll come out and visit. We'll make yeah. it happen in person. Yes. Real life. Amazing. Amazing. Um, thank you for listening, watching episode 116 of Jackson Talks, everybody. Share this with 10 people who share it with 10 people who share it with 10 people. That'd be awesome. Uh, subscribe, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. But most importantly, take good care of yourselves and others and lots of love. See you next time.